Here's what I want to do with you this morning. Um, you know, the one thing I love about our leadership here is, you know, elders, Tracy, other people, is they don't, they don't care about attendance and numbers. What they care about are people and souls. Um, and that's it's always been, since I've been here for three plus years now, that has always stood out to me of how much they care about you and the people that, when we look at empty seats in this auditorium, what, they don't see numbers. They don't see numbers. They see you. They see people, souls missing, stories missing. And so here's what I want to do, starting off right here at the beginning, is I want to give you some permission, and I want you to, to look around, and I want you to just recognize who is not here this morning, somebody that you recognize that's not here. And I want you, and I give you permission to pull out your phone, I want you to send them a message. But here's the thing that I don't want you to do right now is I don't want you to give them guilt for not being here. People don't need guilt right now. People need heaven. People need heaven right now. And so I want you to send a message to somebody you don't see here. And instead of saying like, hey, I missed you, like as if church is the most important thing for them, say, hey, I missed you at, I want you to say, hey, I just missed you because you are the most important thing and I miss you. I want you to send them a message say, hey, what can I pray for you about? What's happening in your life? hey, I'm thinking about you. So if it's a family member, if it's a friend, if it's someone you always sit next to or someone across the auditorium, I want you to send a message to them right now and say, hey, I, I just want to let you know that I miss you right now. And I, I'm, I'm thinking of you, I'm praying for you, and that's it. And I promise you are going to give somebody a little bit of heaven today which is exactly what we are talking about. We are on a summer road trip, and as been said a couple of times, we are finishing the road trip this morning. Maybe some, one of the longest road trips you have ever been on, but every road trip needs a destination, amen? Every road trip needs a destination, and we are, somebody got Texas more. <laughs> They're here, don't worry, that person's here. Every road trip needs a destination, right? If you don't know where you're going, you're never going to get there, and every single one of us is on a road trip. The question is, what is your destination? Where are you going? If you're a follower of Jesus, if you committed your life to him, if you submitted yourself to being his disciple, which is what our next series is all about, what does that mean, what does that look like in today's world, then our destination is eternity with God. Now, here's what I want to do right here at the beginning, and I love doing this. I want to give you, at the beginning, the bottom line, the, the sentence, the phrase. Usually, uh, preachers, they'll work their way to it. It's like the big climactic moment in the movie, but I'm going to give it to you right here at the beginning, and I love doing this because for those of you who are going to tune me out in about five or ten minutes, right, you're welcome because at lunch today, you, you can say this sentence, and they, they got nothing against you, right? You, you, got, you got it. And then for others of you who are crazy and don't like surprises and you like read the last page of the book before you start it, you get to see where we're going to, right? So you're welcome to both of you kind of people. The bottom line, are you ready? If you're writing anything down, this is what you want to write down. What you believe about eternity determines how you will live today. Let me say it again for people in the back. What you believe about eternity determines how you will live your life today. What does that mean? Why is that true? Well, there might be some of you in this room, there certainly are people outside of these walls who do not believe in any form of eternity. 
that this life that you have today, the breath in your lungs, the, the, your feet treading on the earth, the things that you do, this is it. This is it. This is the, this is the conclusion. And this worldview, it has fed into the, uh, the epidemic that's going on behind the scenes of meism, a very inwardly focused worldview, that if this is all that I have, then the most important thing that I do is pour into my life right now. The spotlight, right here. And if you don't believe that there is an eternity, it's going to deeply affect how you live your life now. You're going to live it to the fullest, but fullest being as long as it's focused on me. However, if you believe in an eternity, of, of something after this life that we can't fully conceptualize what it is, we, we have a, a, a term from Jesus called heaven. If you believe in a place, a destination, then you should be thinking very hard about the way you live your life today. Because what you believe about eternity determines how you will live today. We're talking about heaven this morning. And I want to be uh, pretty frank right here at the front. I spent a lot of time studying this lesson, preparing for it, you know, committing it to memory and so I can present it the right way to you. And I am going to miss the mark. I'm going to fail at this lesson. And if you walk away from it, and you're like, man, Peyton really missed it. Like, he, he just, like, he's off his game. He didn't really capture it for me. I'm going to agree with you because we are talking about something that is beyond our imagination, beyond the stretches of our mind, is what Paul says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Meaning there's nothing that I can say up here that's going to help you fully grasp what heaven is. There's nothing I can put up on the screen that's going to show you what's waiting for you, and there's nothing that we can do with our minds in here, despite how brilliant and creative they are, to conjure up what eternity with God looks like. We can't do it. We can, get, we, we can try, and that's what we're going to do this morning, but we're not going to fully get there, because whatever you think about heaven, whatever you think about eternity, it's going to be better it's going to be better. And that's good news. It's going to be better. Here's what I want to do. I, I think the best way that we can start this morning is going straight to God's Word and rooting ourselves there. And some of you here this morning, this is all that you need. This is all that you'll need. I, I'm going to ask everybody to stand up with me. Just go ahead, stand up right where you are. I'm not going to ask you to look around or anything like that. Look down at your feet, you can look at your hands, you can stare me straight in the eyes, whatever you want, it's okay. But what I want to do, what we're standing for is, is showing reverence to God's word. Because this church, we believe that this is the power and authority of God. Some of you here this morning, you really struggle with like, how does God speak to me today? And this is one of the ways. This is God's voice to us. And so we stand giving glory and honor not to ourselves in this moment, but giving it fully to God. And like I said, some of you this morning, this is all you need. This is all you need. So just spend some time. You can listen. You can close your eyes. I'm not putting it up on the screen. I even encourage you not to read along with me. Just listen to God's voice to you. John 14, this is the voice of Jesus right here. <clears throat> Do not let your hearts be troubled. 
You believe in God, believe also in me. You see, my Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and I prepare a place for you, will I not come back and take you to be with me so that you may be where I am? You know the way to the place where I am going. And our buddy Thomas, he speaks up here. Lord, I don't know where you are going. How can we know the way? Thomas, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And at the end of your Bible, there's a book called Revelation. It's a, a revealing is what revelation means, an apocalypse um, from a follower of Jesus named John. He's on an island called Patmos. He's, a, he's basically a prisoner there. And God gives him this vision. He writes it down. He says this. It's one of the things he sees. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth, they had passed away. They were no longer any sea. You see, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. Now listen to this part right here. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, There'll be more, no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne, he said, I am making everything new. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this. And I will be their God, and they will be my children. Heavenly Father, we stand in awe of the power of your words and the relevance that we need to hear it. As Tracy said, the brokenness of this world is all too evident, and we long for the day where we will feel no more death or mourning or crying or pain. To you be the glory for all the things we do this morning. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you all for doing that with me. Like I said, for some of you this morning, that's all you needed. You can, you can tune me out for the rest of the morning. I'll be perfectly fine with it. And you have what you need. You can walk away with it and be strengthened by it. For others of you, um, you need a little bit more. Uh, so here's what I want to do for the remainder of this morning. Is I want to break down three misconceptions about heaven. You see, we're all on a road, we're all heading on this road trip, we're arriving at our destination, and there are some misconceptions about what heaven is. And as we break these down, these three misconceptions, it's going to give us insight to what heaven actually is. So let's dive just straight into it. The first misconception about heaven is that heaven will be boring. Heaven will be boring. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever believed that? You know, you know why some people believe heaven is boring is because the devil is a liar, it's like, well, how, did these, how do those two things line up? Well, uh, God created, so the, the story of the Bible has it, that the devil, which is a, a title, 
is given to a, a, an angel, an archangel named Lucifer. There's three archangels that were created by God. There was Michael, there was Gabriel, and there was Lucifer. And Lucifer's responsibility was the angel of worship. In the heavenly realm, he's the one who orchestrated giving glory to God, pointing people to God, praising God. But at a certain point, Lucifer recognized, hey, I actually think I want to receive some of that praise, some of that recognition. Man, doesn't that sound all too familiar, right? Of pointing people to God and I'll just take a little bit of it for myself, just a little bit of notoriety, a little bit of recognition. I mean, even in the story of the Bible, the Tower of Babel is about building a tower to heaven so that we can step in and be, the, be God, be the place of God. And God treats that the same way throughout, a scattering. He scatters Babel in our own way. Whenever we get too comfortable or we get too inwardly focused, he scatters us and he scattered Lucifer. Lucifer, the devil, lost access to heaven. And he is trying to drag you down with him. Now, whenever we talk about the devil and Satan and all of this, what you have to try to do is take off the blanket of modern culture and what it has painted as this demon devil of horns and pitchforks and red and flaming eyes. You got to eliminate all of that. And you just have to think of a force of evil that's trying to get you to believe lies. And you can feel those lies creep up into your heart almost every day. And some of those lies tied to this lesson are things like hell's not real. You don't need to worry about hell or a place away from God. You don't need to worry about that. Everybody, heaven is a default. You're good. Just live a good life and you'll be fine. Or the other way that heaven will be boring. Whenever I was a kid, I'll be, I'll be frank, whenever I was a kid, I didn't want to go to heaven. Because I'd seen it in cartoons, I'd seen it in movies, and it looked boring to me. It's like, okay, so I'm going to be in like a bunch of clouds, sitting on a cloud for eternity, and I have to wear like a scratchy robe and play harps for 10,000 years. My grandma's going to be there. She's going to be telling me, you need to get a haircut. So I'm going to have to go get a haircut. And then as a kid, I'm thinking, and then I'm just going to have to be at church forever. <laughs> like there's no getting out. And I'm looking at it as an adult, and I'm like, yeah, that does sound pretty terrible. I don't want to do that. Heaven is boring. What a misconception. You know what people think? If, if, they, if you've ever found yourself or people who think heaven is boring, they may not think they're doing it, but what they're essentially saying is God is boring, which is a, that's a lot harder creek to cross, right? But if you think God is going away to prepare a place for us, no, heaven is the opposite of boredom because it's the absence of evil and it's the presence of God. Now, I want to focus in on that last one the presence of God, because here's the reality. Everything that you enjoy in this earth, on this earth, in this world, in your life, everything that you enjoy is a byproduct of God. It radiates off of God. God is the source of goodness that exists in this world. Someone once explained it to me this way, the goodness from God is like the sun. It's like heat from the sun, right? Doesn't matter where you are in this world, doesn't matter if you are in sunny Florida or if you are at nighttime in Antarctica, you are benefiting from the sun. You are benefiting from the heat, the life-giving heat, source of life that comes from the sun. Goodness works the same way. So whenever you bite into this extraordinary taste and you love it like cotton candy, or, or even better, has anybody ever had those grapes that taste like cotton candy? Yeah, you know, like especially that first one, you pop in, you're like, I did it. I can finally eat healthy. 
I can do it. I made it, right? I can do this. I can do, like, it's like a little bump up of encouragement. And the ability to taste that, God gave you the ability to taste. You don't need that, but he gave it to you. It's a gift. You enjoy it. The ability to see beauty in portraits, landscapes, and people. God gave you the ability to recognize something as beautiful, to absorb the capacity for joy. You know what? One thing I love that God gave us is the ability to laugh. And here's why. I, I was thinking about this, about what laughter is. And what it reminds me of is that I don't know if it's a myth or not. I'm never going to put it to the test. But that, that saying that you can't sneeze and keep your eyes open at the same time or else something really gory is going to happen. Again, I'm not going to test it. I don't care. I'm just going to believe that it's true. But I think the principle carries over with laughter as well, that at least in my experience, you cannot simultaneously laugh and feel the weight and the pain of this world at the same time. Now, it doesn't mean the weight and the pain and the sorrow is gone. Sometimes it comes crashing back to us when we stop laughing. But at least for a moment, in our laughter, we can just feel joy. And it's like God has placed in us this little moment of relief in the midst of our suffering. That's from God. Love is from God. So what you love and enjoy in this creation, you are going to love and enjoy in the next creation. Why? Because everything you enjoy is from God, and we are going to be in the presence of God. We're going to be walking eternally with God. But, 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 and this is a big but, everything that you enjoy in this earth, you will enjoy for eternity, but there'll be no more pain. There'll be no more evil attached to it. There'll be no more pervertedness, making things crooked. You won't be waiting for the next shoe to drop. You won't be waiting for the next page to turn. You're not going to be waiting for circumstances to turn back around. You will live in eternal bliss, completely immersed in the joy that comes from God. Heaven? Boring? No. Here's what we know about heaven. This is just Looking at scripture, here's some of the things we know about heaven. We know that uh, we'll know one another, we'll love and be loved. Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And whenever I think about heaven, because it's beyond our imagination, we can't explore it, and you know, we can't fully, I, I love to just allow my imagination to run rampant. So as I'm playing with that idea, I'm like, okay, well, I get to like meet Moses. And be like, hey, Moses, like, you know, you did this little trick with the staff and the snake. Can I see that? Like, I just want to see what that looks like. And Tracy, you're going to be wanting to see that too. I know you hate snakes. Almost as much as Sandy Brackett hates snakes. But you are going to be first in line because you're not going to worry about hating snakes. You're going to love snakes. You're gonna, I know it's crazy, but no eye or mind can conceive the things that heaven is going to be. Or how about Paul? And be like, hey, Paul, I know we're not supposed to be talking about bad things up here, but that thorn in your flesh what was that? <laughs> like, I'm just curious. Like, what was that thing? Or Jesus, like, Jesus, I know there's a long line. I got to wait to get to you or all that, but I just have one simple question. Whenever you were riding in the sand, what were you riding? I just, I just want to know. Like, I, it's just been bugging me my whole life. What were you riding? Or ladies, if you ever gone through childbirth, you might go to Eve and be like, what's up, girl? Like, what's going on? Why, why did you do this to us? You'll be reunited with the loved ones who knew Christ. Get to see them again, that lost child. You'll get to hold them. 
the close friend that was gone too soon. You get to wrap your arms around them. That relative that you miss so dearly, you'll be with them. And there'll be no betrayal. There'll be no more hurt. It'll just be perfect love. Another thing we know about heaven, heaven is a place of unimaginable beauty. Just go read Revelation 21, and you're going to see some of that beauty just coming off of the pages. And again, my imagination just all over the place. Like, what, what is it going to be like? Like, what has my mind not conceived? Like, new colors? What's a new color? What's a new sensation? What's a new taste? What's a new sight? Something I've never seen, a new sound. What am I going to hear? We don't know. Just explore it. Sit in that space and wonder, what is it going to be like? Mountains and beaches and canyons. It's going to be like a zoo with no cages. The lion and the lamb will get to lay next to each other. You're just a giant petting zoo. You can just go around. You don't have to worry about being stomped by an elephant. You can just be with God's creation. I don't know. Just have fun with it. What is it going to be? But I know it's going to be unimaginable beauty that we'll just be absorbed in. You know another thing that heaven's going to be like? you will get to see Jesus face to face. Some of you are like, well, I don't, okay, cool. I'm going to go get like an ice cream with sprinkles or something. Like what, what does that mean? Like get to see Jesus face to face. But that's an extraordinary thing because all throughout the Bible, especially the Old Testament, coming face to face with God was beyond our capability. Again, going back to the sun analogy, like, I enjoy and love the sun. I benefit from the sun. It's a source of life. But the moment I step foot in a rocket ship and start heading towards the sun, it becomes extremely dangerous for me because I can't handle that heat. You can't handle that heat. And none of us, because of our sin and our brokenness, none of us can handle the glory and the holiness of God until we've been completely absorbed and there is no longer evil. You know, priest, whenever they were worshiping in the temple, there was the holy of holies, right? And the only one guy could go in there, the holiest of them all, could go into that space once a year, and they actually tied a rope to his ankle so that if God's glory and honor was too much and he fell over dead, they could, boop, 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 boop. okay, find a new high priest, like, let's get him out of there, because they knew God's glory was too good for them. But one day, you will get to stand face to face with Jesus. And I once heard an author, or I, I read what he said. He said, when you see Jesus for the first time, you'll realize that you never truly lived before that moment. I love that. I love that. You know what else heaven will be like? You will have new and perfect bodies. Amen? Yeah, some of you, amen. That's what I need right now. But in line for that one. You'll get to run with your grandpa before he got sick. You'll lose all of that weight or be where you need to be. If you're blind, you'll get to see. If you're deaf, you'll get to hear. If you've never tasted, I, my, COVID has messed up my taste. I'll get to taste perfectly again. Like all of these things will be, you will be made just as you were designed to be. Holy and perfect in the presence of God. Another thing we know about heaven, heaven is the absence of everything bad, painful, and evil, and it's the presence of everything good and holy and glorious. We will get to walk with God's creation in the garden again, side by side, helping rule creation with our creator. Whatever you can imagine, whatever you can imagine, heaven will be better. It's going to be better, guys. Because there will be no more death, 
No more pain, no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more fear, no more stress, no more anxiety, no more sleepless nights, no more betrayal, no more abuse, no more heartache, no more divorce, no more disease, no more violence, no more injustice, no more racism. You know what there's going to be no more of? There's going to be no more of like waking up at 2 a.m. in the morning, like stumbling your way to the bathroom. You're not going to worry about that. Like you stumble your way there and then you have like this mental exercise, like do I turn on the light and blind myself or do I just like co-opt this thing and see if, you know, like no more of that. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about bad breath anymore. And if you're married, you know what bad breath is. <laughs> you turn over, woo, alarm clock's on. Okay, I'm, king-size bed is a part of heaven. I, I believe it. We'll have king-size beds up there. Mondays, Mondays. You want to worry about Monday. I love Mondays, but maybe you hate Mondays. You want to worry about it. Ladies, no more time of the month. No amen. No more time. You want to worry about it. Boring? Yeah, heaven is the opposite of boring. It's the absence of evil. It's the presence of God. Misconception number one, that heaven is going to be boring now. It's not going to be boring. Misconception number two is that this world is your home. This world is your home. You know, that's easy for us to say, like, no, this world's not my home. I'm just passing through and singing the songs. But many of us are living as if this world is our home. I know this is a big thing for young people, inside and outside the church, of living as if this is our home. We pour so much energy and effort into living a comfortable life, of living a successful life, of living a beneficial life, of pouring into me. And Paul has some stark words for people who are more focused here than there. He says that they don't know Jesus. They don't know Jesus. He says it this way, their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship, it's in eternity, in heaven, with God. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Your life is a mist. James talks about that. Jesus will say things like that. Your life is here and gone. And if you are, you know, towards the second half or third, you know, second third of your life, then you're probably not along because you know, you can tell young people like me, like, yeah, it goes fast. And it, you know what? Life is like, it's like smoke. Like whenever you're in somewhere cold, which I don't know if y'all know what cold is, but when you breathe and then like little air bubble, you know, the, the smoke comes out of your breath. It's so cool. And it, it looks like you can grab it. Have you ever been in a really thick campfire and the, camp, the, fire, or the smoke is so thick, it's like you can grab onto it? But the moment you do, you'll realize that your hands are empty. And some of us are living our lives that way. We pour so much into that smoke to make it nice and thick and tangible. And then at the end of our lives, we reach for it and realize that our hands are empty. Your life is a mist. You know, I once saw a pastor give this, this illustration where he talks about time, and he had a, a giant rope out on a stage. And he talks about time, we'll just use it in a linear fashion this way. And you have eternity past. This is before there was time, space, and matter. This is, you know, where God existed and nothing else did. It's just whatever that looked like, we don't know, but it goes on infinitely. And then over here, this is what we're talking about today. You have eternity future. This is our heaven. This is where we'll be with God. 
eternity future. No eye can see the end of it. And then, right in the middle, at least in our experience, you have the history of humanity. Right there. There you are. Actually, you're just part of it because, you know, up here at the beginning, you have the creation of man and woman, God breathing life into his creation, blinking light into existence, sun, moon, separating land from water, boom, right there, right at the beginning, time has started. A little bit later, God delivers his people from Egypt. Moses, Pharaoh, let my people go, the whole thing's right there. A little bit later in history, God recognizes that he needs a solution that is eternal. So he brings Jesus. He walks with his creation. He's not a distant God who created and let it be. He walks with it. And there we have Jesus' story, death, burial, resurrection. And then later on, you'll have Paul pick that up and he'll show people, this is how you worship this new idea of a God who walks with us. Emmanuel, God with us. We'll move a little bit further in history. You've got the Renaissance movement. You've got the Gutenberg printing press making God's word available to the masses of people. You have the Reformation, the uh, Industrial Revolution and World War II, things that shaped many of you who are in this room. Uh, 57 Chevy is right there. You got it right there. Uh, you have the you know, internet and the iPhone, creation of the iPhone, which changes how people connect, changes community. You have uh, my dad meeting my mom right in there. Uh, you have the Oklahoma City Thunder basketball NBA team. We went to the finals, won one game, lost the rest, haven't even gotten close since then. That happened right there. Uh, and then you have you. You're just kind of tucked away right there on the end. Paul has a, a saying, in Greek, it's tiskarplein, tiskarplein, tiskarplein. He talks about it in Philippians. Whenever uh, he's in jail and some of uh, his followers come to him and are like, hey, these people are like, they're preaching Jesus, but they're like boasting themselves up. They're like, you know, kind of using that as a pedestal to build themselves up. And Paul says this, he says, tiskarplein, tiskarplein. And essentially it means like, so what? Like all of the glory that you're receiving, Tiscar Plant, so what? What does it actually matter? Will that matter a hundred years from now? Will that play a part to your eternity? The recognition and what you have today, is it going to play a part? Because here's, here's the reality that we all have to face. <clears throat> Why would I let something completely consume me right here if it doesn't affect like, if it doesn't matter here, why would I let it matter to me here? How I feel, what I'm going through, the guy who cut me off, being rejected, the nasty divorce, whatever it is, why would I let it define me here, weigh me down here, destroy me here if it doesn't matter here? If it doesn't matter here, it doesn't even affect me here, but the opposite's true as well. Because if it does matter here, if it will make a difference here, then by all means, I'm going to let it matter here. Paul says, for the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see, those things, they'll last forever. Do something here that's going to affect 
Misconception number one, that heaven is boring. No, come on. Misconception number two is that this world is your home. No, we have something far greater prepared for us. And now let's, let's close it out with misconception number three, that most people are going to heaven anyways. And most people are going to heaven anyways. There's a, a study by Pew Research done a few years ago, and they came to the conclusion that 72% of Americans believe in heaven. Let me say that again, uh, but rephrase that a little bit. 72% of Americans believe in this form of heaven, which is where people who have lived good lives are eternally rewarded. People who've lived good lives. Now focus in on that good lives because this is the worldview of today. That if I can just be good enough, if I can just keep my head above the water, if I can live charitably, that I will make it to whatever eternity is with God. But the reality is, is that heaven is not a default mode that everybody just kind of piles their way to, and then you just got to not be Hitler, and then you're good. Like, you just have to like, not do something really bad up until the end, and you'll be good because you're just naturally going there. But that's not what Jesus said in our first verses, is it? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. I am the gate. You are the sheep. You have to come through the gate if you want to make it to the Father. The path is wide, but the gate is narrow. I am the way, and the truth, and the life. See, good people don't go to heaven. Let me say it again. Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people do. Forgiven people do. People who've submitted their life to the person of Jesus. Because he is the only way to the Father. He's the only way to eternity. I want to close out the same way we started. I'm going to ask everybody to stand up again. Good exercise. You're, you, won't, you, won't, you won't sit back down until it's time to go, so I won't make you go up and down anymore, but stand on your feet. Some of you here this morning, you are extremely good people, but you haven't given your life to Jesus. Some of you here this morning, you feel like you've given your life to Jesus. You know, I've, I've just kind of said, like, yeah, I, I follow Jesus, but your actions don't show any of it. You know, when, when, when Jesus was calling his disciples, it was a come and follow me. It wasn't just like believe, live your life, tag me on at the end, and that's kind of your ticket in. It was pick up your cross and follow me. It was you may have to hate your mother, your father, your, your siblings. You may have to hate them to come follow me. Are you willing to go to death for what you believe? Following Jesus produces action in us. And some of you need to ask yourself, am I really following Jesus? Am I really living as if what matters here is going to affect here? And after, we're going to read a verse together. And after this and after we sing, I'm not going to go next door. What I'm going to do is I'm going to stand out right by these glass doors. It's far too important to make you walk any further. And so if some of you this morning, you're at the place where you're like, I'm tired of living as if there's not something better in store for me. I'm tired of living as if heaven's boring. I don't actually want to go there. I'm, t I'm tired of acting like this world is my home. I'm tired of, of considering heaven a default in my life. I want to do something now that's going to affect my eternity. If that's you, I want to talk to you. I want to pray with you. I'm going to find a next step. And I need your help with this next verse. Paul, will you put that verse up for me? I need your help with this next verse. Your, your responsibility is the yellow words. You got it? <laughs> your responsibility is the yellow word. That's all you got to do. And I want to read this with you. For, everyone. let's say again, for, everyone. 
everyone, you look around this room, everyone, every single one of us, everyone has sinned. Every one of us has sinned. We, maybe we've lied, maybe we've stolen, maybe we lusted, maybe we're locked in it now, maybe it's something we left in the past, but every single one of us has sinned. We all need this. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. We're not good enough. We're too broken. Yet God in his grace freely makes us, look at, listen to this, freely makes us right in his sight. Right in his sight. Right in his sight. How did he do this? He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice so that I wouldn't have to be. Jesus was the sacrifice for sin. And people are made right with God. How? When they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. We're all on a road trip. What's your destination? Because what you believe about eternity determines how you will live your life today. Church, let's get right. Let's get right.